well. We're in a series of messages called Follow Me, and we're trying to be able to look into this um, phrase that Jesus used all the time. You know, uh, Jesus didn't ask people, uh, would you accept me as your Savior? Jesus didn't ask people, um, would you make a decision for me? Jesus didn't ask people, would you uh, receive me as your uh, Savior? Some of those are all words that we use in contemporary church, and I don't think there's really anything wrong with them, except Jesus didn't use them. What Jesus used was come and follow me. And we've been talking through that. And, and what was it, three weeks ago, we looked at the Matthew account when he calls this tax collector, this lowest of the low in... Um, First century Jerusalem, the, the one that was hated, the one that was extorting money from his brethren, and we went all through that to this one who was living an ungodly life. He walks up to this person and says, come, follow me. This wasn't the best of the best. This wasn't the elite of the society. This wasn't a respected person. In fact, it was a disrespected person. And Jesus goes up and says, Matthew, Levi, his name was then, come and follow me. And that told us something, that to be a follower, you don't have to change first. You follow and allow God to be able to change you. You don't change and then you become a follower. You don't behave and then you belong. You belong and then watch what God does to our behavior. And I don't know about any of you, but I grew up among well-meaning people, but somewhere along the line, I got the message that you must behave and then you can belong. I'm not even sure if they were teaching it. I'm not even blaming it on anybody, but for some reason, probably just my fault, that's the message I got. If you can behave, then you can belong, and that's different than the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, come follow me and watch your life change. Come and belong to our group and watch your behavior change. We talk through that. Brandon came the next week and talked about the call that's on all of our lives, not just the call that's on people that are in full-time ministry, the paid religious people. It's the call that's on all of our lives. Last week, I hesitate even to say this because I've got to go into a lot of the history that I went into last week, but what I said last week, and if you didn't hear this, go listen to it on the podcast, zinyanaz.org. You can listen to it. You can forward that link to anyone, but what I tried to say last week is believe in the Jesus who believes in you. And I've learned all my life that I need to believe in Jesus. And that is good, that is proper, and that is vital importance. But I'm also learning that Jesus believes in me. And when he comes out and says, come, follow me, it's, it's, it's him saying to me, him saying to you, that you've got what it takes. Maybe you don't think you can be the Christian that you want to be, but you've got what it takes. Now, I back that all up with a lot of history of the day, and that may not even make any sense unless you heard the message. But what I want to say to you is God believes in you. He believes in your ability to be a follower. He believes in your ability to be Christian. I don't care if you believe it or not. When he says to you, and the extension is, and the invitation is to whosoever will may come, I believe in your ability. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, covered by the grace of God, I believe in your ability to be able to walk with me. I believe in your ability to be able to be like me. And we were talking about this as a staff this week. And we were saying some things like, I wonder how many people don't seem to maybe have the faith to do things. It's not like they don't have faith in God, because I, I really think 
Every single person in here, whether you're a Christian today or whether you're not a Christian, you've, you've got to have some inkling toward God. You've got to have some type of belief in a God. I believe you, you think God is God and God can do whatever he wants to do. But when he asks us sometimes to do some things, I wonder, even though we know he can do whatever he wants to do, I wonder if we really believe that we can. And I'm not, not preaching positive thinking. That's, I'm not trying to be Robert Schuller or Nor, Norman Vincent Peale or any of that. But I'm learning that it's of vital importance to believe in Jesus, but it's also important to believe that Jesus believes in you. You, you can be a disciple. You can be a follower. You have the right stuff. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to that podcast, and that'll make a whole lot more sense than just the little three-minute review I gave you. But as we were talking about it this week in staff meeting, we talked about Moses. And some of you will remember the Old Testament story how Moses was on the backside of a desert. He spent 40 years as a shepherd. Thought everybody had probably forgot about him, but one day he sees a bush that is not burning up, and God speaks to him through that bush and says, I want you to go and lead my people out of bondage. And and Moses didn't believe in his own ability to be able to do that because he gives four objections. We've got these up here real quickly, and, I, and I'm just going to buzz through this real quickly. Moses sees God, or at least sees the bush that's burning and not burning up. Here's God speak to him and says, Who am I? Who am I? Maybe this person, maybe her, maybe, maybe that person over there. Who am I? To be able to do that. Who am I to go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelite? Who am I? Was that a lack of trust in God? Or was that a lack of trust in the God that believes in him? In his own ability to, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit under the grace of God to do what God has asked you to do. What's the next scripture? 3.13. Second objection. Moses said to God after God wants him to go and lead the people out of Israel. Second objection. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I? I don't, I don't know what to tell. I'm not, what do I tell them? Moses, I believe in you. Go lead my people out of Israel. Third objection. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me? Moses, I've called you to do this. I'll give you the grace to do this. Would you believe in yourself as you believe in me? As you're empowered by me, would you believe that I've called you to do this? This is a crisis of faith. I don't know if it's a faith in God or not. As much as Moses says, me, me, I, I, send somebody else. Last objection. Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Four objections, all sitting around his inability to see him as the person that God could use to be able to free the people. And what I didn't put up here, the very next thing uh, the Bible says there is the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Burned against Moses because he didn't have faith in God? 
or didn't have faith that the God who called him to do this could make him capable of doing this? Did he believe in himself enough? I'm encouraging you. I don't know what God has called you to. Maybe it's just called you to be the best mom or the best dad or the best whatever. Maybe, it, maybe it's called you to teach a Sunday school class, to lead a small group, to, to, to work with it. I don't know. Uh, maybe he's just called you to be a regular, everyday Christian. And you see all these other people, and you see that person over there, and you see, your, remember your grandmother, boy, I could never be like my grandfather. Believe in the God who believes in you. He wouldn't have called you to be like him if he didn't think you had the right stuff. Please go back if you weren't here last week. Take 30 minutes and listen to that message. It'll make a whole lot more sense than what I've just tried to reiterate to you. Today we're in the Gospel of John, chapter 21. If you have your Bible, would you open it, please? If you're near one of the doors, you can grab one of these uh, Bibles. We have black Bibles and we have red Bibles. The red Bibles are a little larger print. And turn to the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Probably be about three-fourths way through your Bible. If you go to Acts and Romans, you've gone too far. If you're in Mark, you're not far enough. The Gospel of John, chapter 21. And we see an account where Jesus has been crucified, he has been risen from the dead, and now he's on the beach talking to some of his disciples. He's cooked them breakfast, and he's having a conversation with Peter. Jesus having a conversation with Peter in John chapter 21, verse 18, and it tells us something about this whole following business. Jesus speaking. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger and you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted... But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Well, what's that all mean? Well, we're thankful we have the next verse. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. One day, Peter, they're going to lead you away. They're going to lead you away. Then Jesus said to Peter, Follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Who was the disciple whom Jesus loved? Who was it? John. John was a disciple whom Jesus loved. Leaned on Jesus' chest for Lord's Supper. And so here's Jesus and Peter walking down the beach. And John must have been walking behind. And so Jesus just tells Peter, Peter, one day they're going to lead you away, man. But nevertheless, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about this guy? Okay, you've just told me that one day I'm going to, the type of death I'm going to have to be able to endure. One day you told me that my hands will be tied and I'm going to be led away. What about this dude right here? Next passage. Jesus, very bluntly. Jesus, not mixing any words, says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. He basically says, Peter, would you mind your own business? 
John has a walk with me just like you have a walk with me. John has a followership just like you have a followership. What is it to you if he has a certain type of life and you don't have that certain type of life? The big deal, Peter, is you must follow me. Don't worry about John. Don't worry about Andrew. Don't worry about Nathaniel. Don't worry about any other disciples. You've got enough, Peter, to worry about yourself. You, Peter, you follow me. But, but him, why don't him? You. Well, how come I? You. Well, why does he get to? You. You, Peter, you must follow me. When we compare ourselves and when we get our eyes on other believers and we start worrying about how God's treating that person and how God's not treating that person, and, 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 and it's never a good thing. Comparison leads to pride. Comparison leads to insecurity. Comparison leads to unthankfulness, all of which are behaviors that are not worthy of a follower of Jesus Christ. We all have different walks. We all have different journeys that we're on. We're all different people, and God deals with each one of us differently. The Christian walk is not the same for you as it is for her, as it is for me, as it is for her, as it is for him. And Jesus says to me and Jesus says to every one of us, you don't worry about other people. You don't worry about the way that I treat other people. You don't worry about that they got this and you didn't get this or you got that and they didn't get this. You have to worry about one thing. Follow me. Follow me. Luke chapter 9 tells us how, how Jesus doesn't treat all of his disciples the followers or the potential followers the same. When he sees Matthew, he basically just says, Matthew, come follow me. When he says Peter, he basically just says, Peter, come follow me. When he says Andrew, Andrew, come follow me. But in Luke chapter 9, he sees three different men. And he gives them a far different response. And this, along with other passages, goes to show us that everybody has a different walk with Jesus. We have an individual walk with Jesus. Now, we do that within the context of the body of Christ. But my walk is different than your walk. Luke chapter 9, what do we have here? As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, him is Jesus. A man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Man, this is, man, this is, a, man, this is a seeker, man. This guy's ready to go. I will follow you wherever you go. And if Jesus is, treats him like he treated Matthew... Come follow me. If he treats him like he treated Peter, come follow me. If he treats him like he treated Andrew, come follow me. But what does he say to this guy? Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man, me, has no place to be able to lay his head. What? Basically saying, listen, you can follow me if you want to, but it's going to be tough. I don't even have a place to put my head tonight. Now, he didn't say that to Matthew. He didn't say that to... Why, why, did, he, why, did, he, why did he say this to this guy? Because Jesus deals with different people different ways. And I can't worry about the way he's dealing with you, and you can't worry about the way he's dealing with me. The only thing I can worry about, the only thing you can worry about is follow him. Follow him. What do we have up here? Here's another guy. Here's another guy comes. And to Jesus says, follow me. But this guy says, let me first go and bury my father. Man, and Jesus, in, in verse 60, next slide. 
Jesus plays hardball with him. He says, this is the dead bear, the dead man. Not what he said to Matthew. It's not what he said. I mean, it was just like, come on, man. I know you're a tax collector, and I know you got a lot of junk in your life. Just come on. But he makes it harder for these guys. I don't know why he makes it harder for these guys. He said, let the, let the dead bury the dead. You come. You come. I'm trying to tell you that our walks with Jesus are all different. I'm trying to tell you the same thing Jesus told Peter. If, 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 if I want to treat this guy differently than I treat you, Peter, what is it to you? I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy on. Peter, you do not have your eyes fixed upon me. You are not following me. You're worried about what everybody else is doing. A third guy. This is the same passage of Scripture here. I've not been jumping around. This is the same passage of Scripture. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. That sounds pretty logical to me. That sounds absolutely logical to me. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. What's he doing? I can't explain to you why he treats some people different and, and, and treats other people different way and other people different way. I have no clue. I'm not smart enough to figure that out for you. I'm just saying he does. And our job is not to worry about the way he treats this person, not to worry about the way he treats this person, not to worry about the way he treats that person, the way he treats them better than he treats me, da-da-da-da-da. No. Mark, follow me. You've got enough trouble figuring out how you can follow me. That's enough on your plate right now. Don't worry about her. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about those people over there. You follow me. Do you remember the story in Matthew 20 where this wealthy landowner went out and he tried to hire some people to work for him today and he went out early in the morning and he said, hey, come work for me and I will pay you a denarius, which was a unit of money in first century Jerusalem. And so these people earlier today came out and they, got the, they said, I'm going to pay you a denarius. The landowner went back about the third hour of the day, maybe like nine o'clock, and he says, hey, come work for me and I'll pay you for what is, what is right. He goes back out the fifth hour of the day, maybe 12 o'clock, who knows. He went back the sixth hour of the day, the seventh hour of the day, and he says, come work for me. And I'll pay you what is right. And it's even the 11th hour of the day, one hour before quitting time, he goes and hires somebody else and says, come on, man, I need you to work for me. And so when it was time to settle up and the time for the boss to pay everybody, he pays everybody the same thing. He gives them all a denarius. That don't even seem right. This guy who's worked 12 hours gets, the, uh, gets a Daenerys. This guy down here who worked one hour gets a Daenerys. That's not right. And they didn't think it was right either. And that's why in Matthew chapter 20, but he answered one of them, but he is Jesus, answered one of them who was grumbling about that. Am I not being unfair to you, friend? Didn't you agree to work for Daenerys here? I mean, you came out here at the, at the start of the morning. You agreed to work for Daenerys, and that's what I've paid you. What's the next Take your pay and go. I want to give the ones who were hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my own money? Are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. He treats people differently. You may not like that, but I'm preaching God's word to you. He doesn't treat us all the same. 
And when we compare ourselves with other people, comparisons lead to pride. I'm better than they are. Comparisons lead to insecurity. I'm not as good as they are. Comparisons lead to unthankfulness. Not being content with what God has given me. And all of those three behaviors are less than a follower of Jesus Christ. You. You. You must follow me. And not worry about the way I treat other believers. Not worry about the way I treat other people. You keep your nose to the grindstone. You keep your bearing set straight ahead. You follow me. God does not make cookie cutter Christians. We are all different. With different gifts and different graces. 1 Corinthians 12, is it? It talks about the body of Christ and some people are a certain part of, part of the body and some people are another part of the body. Some people's a hand, some people's a finger, some people's an ear, some people's a nose, some people's a mouth, some people's a leg, some people's a foot. They all go together to make the body of Christ. Don't worry about it that you're not a mouth. Don't worry about it that you're not a leg. That's what it basically says. Because comparisons lead to pride. And comparisons lead to insecurities. And comparisons lead to unthankfulness. Well, I sure wish that I, I sure wish that I had his, I wish I had a ministry as good as him. Be careful. Well, I sure wish I got to do that in church. Be careful. I wish, I wish I got to be up front like Pastor Mark. Be careful. Be careful. You. You must follow me. Wherever you are. The old timers used to say, walk in the light that you have. That means whatever you understand about the Christian journey, just walk in it. Be obedient to that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know hardly anything, and I'm just, I'm just, I just, I'm embarrassed because everybody knows where the book of, a book of job is, and all that. I don't know any where that kind of stuff is. And walk in the light that you have. Well, I don't even know the Old Testament from the New Testament, and I don't walk in the light that you. Don't worry about what she knows and he knows and they know. Walk in the light. That you have. Well, I, I, have been, I mean, I don't even know when to stand up and sit down. I don't know any of the, any of the words or any of the songs. That I, you. Just follow me. Well, I don't know what I can do around church. I can't play any instruments and I, I, can't, I can't teach and I can't. I, can't I, 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 I believe in the God who believes in you. Don't look at other people. You. You. Follow Jesus. We do this in church life all the time. Well, that church down there, and that church over there, you all, you all, called Xenia Nazarenes, follow him. But what about you all? 
This comparison stuff is, is deep ingrained in our sinful nature. It's deep ingrained in us. I, I went out to lunch this week with a pastor in this community. Great guy. But can I confess and admit something to you? In this lunch I had with this, this pastor in this community, several times in the hour and a half lunch that we had in Applebee's, thoughts came to my mind like, uh, one of our churches is doing better than his. One if we're baptizing more people than him. Wonder how much money they're bringing in. Wonder how many ministries they have going on. Wonder how many people they have on Sunday morning if they have more than us. I'm embarrassed to admit that to you. Those thoughts came in my mind. And he says to me, as pastor of Xenia Nazarene, Mark, you follow me. Big church, small church, you follow me. This guy had, the same guy that I had lunch with is Pentecostal. And he, and he was saying, you know, as Pentecostal, everybody thinks we're weird and, and you know, think we're hanging from the chandeliers in church and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and I just want everybody to know that, you know, we're just ordinary people like everybody else. We, we, we don't, we see a few scriptures a little different than you. And see, what was he doing? He, he was worried about what other people think. And he needs to, if he understands scriptures that way, he doesn't need to apologize for it. He just needs to follow Jesus. He just needs to follow Jesus. I wouldn't have any respect for him if he didn't. If he was worrying about and vacillating back and forth and not really trying to be real Pentecostal because everybody think bad of me. No, he needs to be who God has made him to be. Whether I agree with it or not really doesn't make any difference. He follows Jesus. Some of you have taught kids. Well, Jane Drake has taught for how many years? 30, 40 years back there. She's got that. That doesn't elevate her. Don't, don't look at her and envy her. You, you follow Jesus. The Dooleys have their 80th foster child. Their 80th foster child. in the little baby that they have now. Oh boy, I mean, I... I, you know, man, I, I really wish I could be Christians like they do. And look how self-sacrificing. You get your eyes off other people. And you walk the road God has laid for you. Jesus turned to Peter and says, what is it to you? If I let him live all the way till when I return, you must follow. He basically says to Peter, mind your own business. Mind your own business. John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist Church, and he had a prayer that he liked his Methodist to be able to say, and it goes really good with what we've talked about here. This is a prayer that he liked his Methodist to say back in the late 1700s and early 1800s. Now, this prayer is the real deal, man. I mean, if, if I can say this prayer with genuineness of heart, not just a prayer because it's written down, don't, don't you look, look at, you know, aren't I real spiritual because I can say, no. If I can say this with 
sincerity of heart, it's the real deal. If I can say things like, God, I'm no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing and put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or let me be brought low for thee. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. I think that it's just right out of John 21. Don't worry about other people. I, 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 can, I can deal with my station in life however you've given it to me. I don't know why our journeys are different. I don't know why Harold Horton lost two adult sons. You tell me that. I don't know why his road has been that hard. I also don't know why he's getting on a cruise ship and cruising for two weeks either. That makes me kind of upset too, man. <laughs> I don't know why some of you have good marriages and some of you don't. I don't know why some of your marriages look to be looked up. It's just so easy. It's just so easy, the marriage. And some of you, you're, you're both Christians, but you still, str- I, don't, I don't understand all of that. I don't understand all of that. I don't know why some of your husbands treat you really good and some of your husbands don't. I don't know why some of your wives accompany the church and some of your wives, I don't understand any of that. But we all have a different walk. And I can't look over there and say, look how good her husband is. And boy, look over there. Look how sweet he is. I would, I, 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 I. You, you follow me. You. You follow me. But, I, but what about you? Well, how come he gets you? Well, why do they treat me you? Well, nobody ever treat me you. You. Well, if the church did this and the church did that, and if the church was doing that, and if the church was doing this, you just follow me. Can I close with Wesley's prayer one more time? It's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. For me to say it with purity of heart is a mouthful. I'm no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Even if I have to go pastor that church of 50 people. And even if my small group fails and doesn't make it. Even if my ministry collapses and nobody comes and even if I lead a Bible study that no one shows up to. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing or you can put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full or let me be emptied. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. I came to basically tell you three words today you follow me
and all that that could possibly mean in the context of this message or maybe outside the context of this message. Don't get your eyes on other people. I know Christians will let you down. I know they're hypocrites. I know they are. I know they're hypocrites. You follow me. I know he shouldn't have said that to you. You follow me. I know he shouldn't have acted that way. You follow me. Let's pray. Father, we have a very blunt word today from Jesus. A very direct word. A very, in some ways, harsh word. And I don't know really why you wanted me to preach this today. And I don't know if there's people this is intended to. But I don't need to know if it's people that is intended to because I can use it in my own life as I follow you. So God, I just pray you would, you would, would take this thought today. And you would help us keep our eyes focused on you. And not worried about this believer over here or this believer or that church and why they aren't doing this and why they aren't committed enough. And, and it just seems like we all have enough to do to follow you and to be faithful and committed in that following. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to take this message and you would implant it in our hearts. Give us a godly determination. Come good times or bad. Come people letting us down or people not letting us down. Churches letting us down. Churches not letting us down. Father, may we follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Another way that Jesus said this was, Seek first kingdom of God and then all these things will be added to you seek first the kingdom of God and it's all going to work out people always worried about God, what's God's will for me what job am I supposed to have who am I supposed to marry where am I supposed to move to and that's, that's good but I wonder if we should just focus on following him and his will will surface. If we're looking for some lightning bolt, some handwriting on the wall, some burning bush, we're looking for the wrong thing. We should be looking right ahead of us to Jesus and as we follow his will will surface in our lives. Our pastors are coming to prepare the elements for communion. Sometimes following Jesus can lead to a cross can lead to a deserted, a lonely, a, a fearful place. The old song says, where he leads me, I will follow. As you receive the elements of communion today, you may want to be able to come pray at the altar. We're baptizing two people right after this who have decided to follow Jesus. And those people can leave and go change right now. And I'll change as well. And Brandon will, after we have communion, we'll have the baptisms and Brandon will dismiss you. But as you leave today, would you leave with what does this mean? 
that you follow me. Our tables are open for communion.